This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Angular Class. If you're looking to learn the latest and greatest in modern web development techniques, or you need Angular 2 training, then sign up today at angularclass.com. Hello, and welcome to Angular Air. This episode is sponsored by Angular Class. If you're looking to learn the latest and greatest in modern web development techniques, or you need Angular 2 training, then sign up today at angularclass.com. A couple quick announcements for today's show. If you have any questions, make sure you tweet us at hashtag NGAIR, N-G-A-I-R. We have upcoming shows next week, learning and teaching Angular with Pascal Prep. And then the week after that, February 9th, we're doing Internet of Things with Zach Dunn and Atticus White from Robin. On our panel today, we have Olivier Cohn. Hello. Patrick Stapleton. Hi, guys. And Ari Lerner. Hello. Ari has been a guest before in the past, and he has done such a great job and such close friends with the, everybody on the panel that we brought him on to be a regular panelist now. So welcome, Ari. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And our special guest today to talk about TypeScript are two guys that are TypeScript gurus, and we're really excited to talk to Alex Eagle. Hello. And Blake Embry. How's it going? For people that might not be uh, know you guys, why don't you give a quick introduction to yourself? Alex, maybe you start off. Sure. I work on the Angular team at Google. I started about a year ago. Came from actually doing developer tools, a little bit of languages and compiler stuff and testing before I came over to front end to work on the Angular team. And I've been really focused on TypeScript and using TypeScript as the basis of, of our developer tooling, both for the team, for external users, and also now for Google users uh, internally, which is kind of a, a very different situation and requires a lot of extra work. Cool. How about you, Blake? Um, I'm a full-stack engineer here in San Francisco at MuleSoft, and I get to mostly work on open source stuff. There's a lot of API tooling that we're doing, a lot of stuff around data, a lot of interesting stuff around type systems. We jumped into TypeScript about a year ago, and I've been working with the community on a bunch of different projects since then. So Blake, my first question to you, what's a TypeScript? What is a TypeScript? That's a great question. So a TypeScript can be a file that has a .ts extension, but it's pretty much just JavaScript. So TypeScript itself is a superset of JavaScript. You can just copy and paste JavaScript and it will work, but it gets better once you add type information. And the type information is this little thing that comes after a colon in a variable or a parameter anything like that, you can define interfaces. You basically just say what it looks like. And then the compiler will jump in and you get JavaScript back out. Cool. So, like, why why should I use it? Why do I want to use TypeScript? There's, a, there's a, definitely a lot of reasons. Uh, type system is incredible productivity booster. Like, just having auto-completion and documentation and everything working immediately is immensely helpful. If you've ever played with like Turn.js, it tries to do this for JavaScript, but you know, you're missing a lot of the, the extra features um, when it comes to an actual type system as well. So the, the parts that the type system can, can catch is, biggest one is refactoring. Uh, you change something, you rename something. It knows exactly everywhere to rename it or everywhere that's now different, um, and the compiler will start complaining. The other part is just catching dumb mistakes. like. A typo here or there, like the compiler won't recognize it, so you'll get an error there too. I'd like to add to that a couple scenarios where I find it really useful for my work. Uh, one is if you're using a new API that you're not that familiar with, um, you can toggle back and forth between you know, looking through the documentation on their website and going back to your editor, but you lose a lot of context there jumping back and forth, and it's really nice to be able to explore the API, um, use auto-completion and red underlines to know whether you're basically on the right path or not, so that by the time you execute the program the first time, you're really close already. 
Another one is is just readability, like trying to figure out like what is this code doing, dealing with legacy code. A lot of stuff that uh, large code bases large large code bases have these problems, and typing uh, helps a lot to manage those. So so you're saying that TypeScript allows me to stay in my editor and just forget to to leave it. TypeScript has the static types that power editors and other tools to do smart things. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously they can do some of those things already, and even with just JavaScript, you could use WebStorm, and it will try to help you find things, and it will try to show you documentation in line. But you can't really trust it because it doesn't understand whether the done method here is the one on the type that it's supposed to be or not. So I think by being able to give you exactly the right thing, the editor becomes more trustworthy, and then you can use some of those advanced features that make you more productive. But have you found that typing constrains you at all? So you guys mentioned sort of the good side of TypeScript, right? But the sort of contingent of JavaScript developers that are maybe not as big of a fans like JavaScript as a dynamic language and being able, flexible to redefine variables and that type of thing. Do you think that there's downsides at all to using something like TypeScript? Um, I can start by answering and then Alex can jump in. But personally, when I write TypeScript, I actually enable everything to make it as explicit as possible. So there's a flag called no implicit any um, which avoids even allowing the use of the any keyword, um, which the TypeScript compiler will automatically infer a lot of the time. Um, so you have to make everything typed, um, and I prefer that. Uh, and I've always done JavaScript. I love JavaScript. But having everything explicitly typed and not making a dumb mistake is immensely valuable for me. Um, I don't find it gets in the way. Most of the time, it's a tiny little bit of extra work, but it makes my code 10 times more readable um, and 10 times easier to distribute as well because you can generate some really nice documentation. And it's actually a nice standardization of a way to, even if you're not using TypeScript, but if people understand like how TypeScript looks, you can actually just copy-paste interfaces and like this is what the program is meant to look like and give that to someone and they can understand what's going on. Um, so from documentation as well. Yeah, so I think my answer to that is that um, there, there are probably some situations where you're just doing a really rapid prototype. You're sure to throw the code away. You're trying to make every shortcut and you could imagine in those situations that adding any kind of tooling in your build chain might slow you down. But there's of course the tendency for prototypes to become production code. Uh, and really I, I think the most important thing is for a project to be able to ramp up from one developer working on it part-time and then it starts to become successful and it grows. So I agree with, with Blake that like no implicit any is a good practice to start with. And one great thing about TypeScript is that it's gradual in the sense that you can turn on more and more uh, checks to constrain yourself and make your code more safe. And each one of those checks may incur some small amount of additional, like, oh, I need to provide a type here where I wouldn't have had to otherwise, and also saves you time and makes your code more maintainable and readable for for others. So I think the important thing is to find the right settings that make the tool effective, make you an effective developer now, and then also make your code work for you later. Two things of response to that. Um, When uh, typing typed languages... Uh, provide a lot of those safety checks kind of right out of the box that we're talking about. And I think that's one of the benefits to using something like TypeScript um, to do that, uh, specifically for JavaScript. Now, uh, a question, if let's, um, before we really start to talk about Angular um, and uh, Angular and TypeScript, uh, just a really high-level question. Where do you suggest if somebody does want to get started working with TypeScript today, maybe right now or after this episode, uh, where do you suggest that people start to learn it? Where do you suggest we go? I can answer that a bit. And then Alex probably has a different opinion because he probably came in at a different time. When I came in, there was 
pretty terrible. There's been a lot of tooling before me and then since I've started using TypeScript as well. So was, everything was sort of sporadic. But the best place for me was actually just using it. I would use the playground a bit, see what the compiled JavaScript looks like. They have an online playground, so you can copy and paste code and it will give you all the errors. You can do the hover um, and check what the type is on hover and stuff like that. So it's it's a little editor online on the typescriptlang.org website. And then also a few of the editors, if you're going to use VS Code or even Atom with Atom TypeScript, they're pretty well built out. Um, they work great. They have all the features, including being able to navigate around and stuff. So then you can quickly get a feel of, oh, I've navigated to this thing that someone else has written. How does that look? And then you're just learning from code that already exists. The only thing I would add is that there's a, a ebook by Basarat, which I'll put into the show notes, um, which is the best thing I've read for getting started. Uh, and it, it does give you um, some of the transpiled JavaScript uh, to illustrate exactly what the compiler is doing. So if you understand what these idioms looked like uh, back in ES5 code, then you'll understand exactly what TypeScript is doing. Have you guys found that most of the people that maybe wary of TypeScript are the ones who haven't used it yet? In other words, is it often that for the people that actually try it out, get past some of like the learning curve and they like understand the value that they still say, oh, then this, this sucks and, and not do it? Or is it pretty much everybody, once they learn it, they're big fans, at least from your experience? So I, I would actually love to, uh, to know more about what turns people off from TypeScript. I haven't, I haven't heard from someone or met someone who started using it and, uh, and then had objections. I would guess there are some people who had their first time user experience and just felt frustrated in some way or got a compiler error they didn't understand. And you know, obviously those things are getting better all the time. It would be really nice to track down and, and fix any of those ergonomic issues that turn people off at the beginning. I imagine there are also some people who just have a bias against using a compiler and want to code exactly the thing that's going to run at runtime. Maybe they've had bad experience with tools that were slow and did like a whole world compilation every time they changed a file. Uh, and I hope we get into some of the tooling stuff, but it's really important to have the really fast incremental compilation happening in the background so that you don't actually feel the weight of the compiler as you're working. I was just going to add on a little bit to that, but yeah. Like, I haven't heard a lot from, like, the bad sides, so if anyone has the bad sides, that would be great, especially just log an issue. Um, we should have a repo for stuff like this. Um, that's not part of the TypeScript repo itself, but, yeah, it'd be cool to help people with whatever they're getting stuck on. Um, the hardest part for me getting into it was absolutely um, tooling integration. So if you want to learn TypeScript, I wouldn't jump into trying to build an entire tool chain with it. I would start playing around with it first and then try to build your tool chain with it because there's some, there's some issues um, that you might run into and it's a little confusing. It's not like some other tools that you've used. It's definitely not like, uh, like Babel if you've ever used that where it's just one file and it doesn't really matter. Um, you need the whole project concept and stuff like that. So I would play with it first and then do tooling maybe the next day. Uh, so one thing you mentioned that I thought would be interesting is uh, if you could kind of give us a rundown of how TypeScript works. Like, so I think the people that have maybe seen uh, or examples of TypeScript see some of the syntax and you know how you're kind of using it, but what's actually happening when uh, you're doing TSC and, and what's happening behind the scenes? Right. Um, so it, I, ideally. Um, once you have a, a well-working tool chain, there are several pieces uh, of what's going on. So at some point, you're using 
uh, code that came with the TypeScript distribution to actually transpile files from TypeScript syntax to whatever target you've chosen, ES5 or ES6. Um, but there's probably a few layers on top of that, depending on what build tools you're using. Um, I can describe the way that we do it on the Angular project and the way that we are building for Angular CLI, which I think is pretty great. But Probably the best answer for this question is just that as you save a file, you need the output version of your code to be up to date very, very quickly. And so somehow the TypeScript compiler, which is ideally already running as a background process, should pick up that there's a new file. It needs to retype check so that it can give you any warnings. Um, and it typically type checks all of the files that are present. Um, and then it can re-emit just the single file. So TypeScript can take a single input file and turn it into a single output file. Uh, and that, that part is very fast. And then, you know, that output file may get picked up somewhere else in your tool chain before it finally shows up in the browser, like if you're using live reload or something. And how closely, so uh, obviously it's, uh, TypeScript is uh, taking into account typing, but it's doing a lot of the work that like Babel does for transpiling, right? So maybe clear up, uh, Blake, if you can, the difference between a tool like Babel and uh, TypeScript other than the typing part? Are they doing essentially the same thing for transpiling? Okay, so so both of them actually do partial of the same job. TypeScript definitely does less of the whole transpiling down ES6 and ES7 and random stuff that you can now add since Babel 6 um, with plugins and stuff. So there's, there is less of that and it's more focused on getting current JavaScript features typed. Um, so you can actually combine the two if you really wanted to. If you have some sort of tool chain or like output target that requires this, you could end up doing the initial transpilation with TypeScript, getting JavaScript, and then sending the JavaScript through Babel as well. That's definitely possible. And that would be just so you can use some of the Babel tooling or something. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to use, okay, so so a good example of if you wanted to use, say, the async function in ES5, um, TypeScript, I don't believe currently will output that, so their, their goal is not to compete with Babel, like beat every single feature in Babel. That is definitely not a goal, and that's a pretty big goal to do. So what they do is they basically have be able to type an async function or something like that, and then you can emit it as ES6. But if you're emitting to like a lower target where certain things aren't supported, it will just give you a compiler and say you can't target this one right now. Um, this feature isn't available to target here. Some features, they can definitely transpile, um, especially a lot of stuff like const let and different for loops because they have type information on what the loop looks like, and then decorators. There's like a lot of other things that they can support. So do you think that we could write uh, TypeScript compiler as a Babel plugin? That's a great question. I would I would love to see something like that. That is, that is a huge, huge project if someone wants to attempt that because <laughs> there's just so much in TypeScript, especially the type side of things. But yeah, I think I think it definitely be possible. It would be nice to see something like that or someone try it. I believe there's there's been I can't remember the name of it. Maybe I'll find it after the show. But at least one person tried adding types into Babel. Um, they get the approach, but yeah, it wasn't obviously as complete as TypeScript. As complete as a project that's been going on for like years. <laughs> so so. Blake, isn't there an option that you could actually use the TypeScript language services that ship with the compiler to to power that kind of plugin? Technically, you, I guess you could write an integration. I'm probably not the best person to to try to answer that. But yes, you could you could use the TypeScript language services and try to detect type information. But then anything that is a plugin in 
Babel, like you have experimental plugins, right, and experimental syntax that's in ES7. I don't think that will work once you try to use the TypeScript language services because it will error out on the experimental syntax that you have in Babel, and then users right. are just going to be very confused. Yeah, so you really need a you need to pipe output from one tool into the other if you want to use both. Mm -hmm. So how many how many plugins uh, do you need for Babel side in order to recreate a lot of the besides the typing information for TypeScript? Like there's because there's ES6 built in. Like how many plugins is that compared to just using TypeScript? I can try to answer that. I actually don't really know, but it's definitely at least ten. You have presets though that that are like arrays of of different plugins, and you could install a preset. I guess that would get you close. So I I have kind of a a pretty big question. If I want to use TypeScript, since it's kind of it's almost a new language, it it it's very similar to JavaScript. But since it would be a new language, why would I learn TypeScript instead of investing time in learning something like Clojure or ClojureScript that compiles down to JavaScript. Or Dart. Or Dart. Or JavaScript. Yeah. If you like Dart. Did you want to that answer, Alex? Yeah, so obviously on the Angular team, we actually have a lot of Dart users. I think the vast majority work at Google. And uh, they, they have reasons to choose one over the other. A lot of it is organizational. Some of it is that they have uh, people who come from a different background. So if you have more Java experience than you have JavaScript experience, then uh, learning all of the JavaScript semantics can be frustrating, and you might want more familiar syntax as well. I, I don't know. I can't really speak to some of the other alternatives um, as for why people would or wouldn't choose them. I think you know this, there's the obvious things to consider, like how much adoption is there out there. And if you're going to use a particular framework, in the case of Angular 2, it's a good, good advantage to use TypeScript since there will be a lot of community using it for sure, and the documentation is already you know kind of biased towards TypeScript, although we're working on filling in the ES6 and ES5 as well. Yeah, the tooling that exists is definitely a good use case um, for using TypeScript, actually, because TypeScript just works on JavaScript. It's just plain JavaScript combined with a type system, right? So you can actually just use it in, in two different ways, which allows features like using plain JavaScript. You can use everything that's on NPM right now. And if you want to get the type system involved, you can create definition files that combine a com combination of like a definition file and JavaScript file is basically TypeScript. So they enable the ability to have the JavaScript and definition files separated, which allows you to use anything in NPM right now, um, which is kind of valuable. If you're already a JavaScript developer or you're already used to the ecosystem, that can be helpful. I should add also uh, quickly that uh, if you're debugging and using source maps, it's really important that the language that's running and the language that you wrote in have very similar semantics so that the source map doesn't have very far to span, right? So if you have statements that turn into multiple lines in the in the output code, it's very hard to use the source map and pick back together what was happening. And uh, similarly, if there's some sort of semantic bridge that's happening in between the two. So uh, just another reason that being close to the JavaScript, it makes you closer to what's running in the VM and makes the debugging less of a cognitive dissonance. So um, w one more question. Have you guys used TypeScript with Node on the server side? Um, how oh, yeah. does... Would you suggest, if you are writing with Node, would you suggest uh, TypeScript as, uh, as a language of choice? And, yeah, and absolutely. So, I mean, uh, our team writes all of our, our code in TypeScript, but most of our code runs in Node because my team is working on language tooling. So we're running as a daemon in the background in your build tool. We're running inside of, inside of the IDE in some cases. Those are all Node processes. It doesn't make very much difference if you're going to write JavaScript code versus TypeScript code. It doesn't make very much difference what the target environment is. Yeah, absolutely. To chime in on top of that, um, pretty much everything I write is actually Node code, not um, browser side. Um, although, like the browser APIs come bundled with TypeScript, so everything's typed there. You can install the Node typings as well, and then everything on Node becomes typed as well. 
um, and you can just start using it. So speaking of typings, um, that leads us to one of the projects that, Blake, you're involved in, your typings repo that basically is a place where you can publish your type definitions, and then other people can use those. So if you're using some library that doesn't have type definitions in the library, you could use the, get them from your repo. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give a little bit of history first. Two years ago, there was a repo called Definitely Typed. It's now about 1,400 typing or type definitions. These are those things that I was saying that can go alongside JavaScript files and make the JavaScript typed, which enables us to use TypeScript and get typings from everything on NPM, which is kind of useful. It's useful from everything that we've said earlier, from documentation to making sure that we're complying with the APIs and stuff. And the thing is, is that everything indefinitely typed is community contributed, and it's gotten very, very big. The way that they also type things is difficult to maintain. I would say, so when I first got into TypeScript, I was actually starting to use TSD. I realized that there's actually a lot of problems with TSD. Um, so I started maintaining TSD and trying to see what I could do about it. But the first thing I did was post an issue, and I was like, I want to create a future version of TSD, a 1.0, and try to fix everything that was terrible that I encountered that was causing me problems while I was trying to use TSD. And as a library author, the biggest one was being able to publish libraries. So that was my initial use case. I couldn't get, I couldn't publish a library with TSD. So I needed to build a tool that would allow me to publish a library um, and allow other people to consume the library in TypeScript. I started working on typings. I implemented a bunch of features. I went for external modules first, stuff that probably doesn't mean a lot if you haven't done TypeScript yet, but I basically just re-implemented TSD in a way that I created like a typings JSON folder file that looks kind of like package JSON. So it has dependencies and dev dependencies and a name and the main file and even a browser field. And then I just used that as the format that I wanted to basically recursively install dependencies. But instead of being the JavaScript dependency side of things, this was the type dependency side of things. So you have like these sort of two worlds running at once when you're not when you're consuming a regular JavaScript file. So the, the issue that I've always found is it is great because when you do have to use this external library that you don't have control of, you have some place to go to get typings. Mm -hmm. But it's not great because, at least in my experience, and maybe this is some of the issues that you were talking about, it can get out of sync with the source li library that, like, you know, un let's say underscore. You know, you, you upgrade to the latest version of underscore, but then the type definition is not the same. Uh, another problem that I've encountered is when uh, the type definition references another type definition and basically a versioning thing that they reference the wrong versions of what you want to reference and then the typings are off. And uh, so I wanted to see what you thought about that and what kind of solutions there are, uh, but I guess, in place today and in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was one of the first issues I actually hit as well, um, was references to node.d.ts. Everything in Definitely Types somehow references node.d.ts. And even though I want to run like the, the earliest possible node version, which is normally 0.10, because that's the most stable one that is still used in production a lot. I need to be able to develop against 0.10, but ever, since everything references node.d.ts, I end up installing the latest one all the time. It's just really not possible to manage dependencies like that. So that was, I, I went through a couple of iterations of trying to, to fix stuff. That was, one of the iterations was I would follow all the references and I would try to 
try to understand if I could like rewrite the typing so that Node would pull out the pieces that it was using and like not try to do global references. And it turned out to be very, very difficult. So I ended up going at replacing these globals everywhere and using just dependencies and making everything that was basically global environment type things. I called them ambient um, based on the error messages I would receive and the terminology in the TypeScript compiler. Um, so they have a concept of ambient definitions, which are basically things that define the global environment. So I went with that terminology and the way to make definitely typed work as it is right now, I basically just ended up stripping all the references. And if you use typings today, it'll actually print what I stripped out as in an attempt, if you're using definitely typed or something that's like definitely typed still, it'll try to help you and tell you what's missing. So if I stripped out node, it'll say, oh, you're referencing um, the stream API and I stripped out the node file. So you can you can still install that later if you need to. For versioning, Blake and I have both also had some conversations with the TypeScript team at Microsoft about how to correctly tie the version of, of the JavaScript that you're running with the type definitions that go with it. Because yeah, that, that is a really big downside right now. Obviously, in the, in the distant future, we would expect that the majority of libraries will eventually be rewritten in TypeScript because the TypeScript user community will grow to be so large that it will encompass all of these library maintainers or that it will demand that the typings be distributed along with the code. And of course, if you imagine a typings file is very much like a source map, right? So there's the original, uh, if, they, if they did some sort of compilation step before publishing their library, then they should give you a JS map file that gives you back the original line numbers because there's some information was lost in that transpilation if they're using Babel or something. But similarly, if they're using TypeScript, then the DTS files are just some information that was lost from the original source to what you receive. And so you can just imagine that any JS file that you receive from a from a dependency that you install should give you both any source maps and any typings. And then the, the versions are naturally in sync because you don't have to get them through a side channel. But in the meantime, Blake's work is really, really valuable because it's going to be a long time before everything is rewritten in TypeScript. Even if uh, even if you're a big enthusiast, it's it's uh, it's hard to imagine when that will happen. So finding a more reliable way to get those to get the versions in sync is is definitely important. Well but eventually everything will be rewritten in TypeScript, right? Yeah, you heard it here first. We can basically deprecate uh, Blake's libraries. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, Blake will probably be pretty old by then, so <laughs> he might be done working yeah. on it. Yeah, um, in a perfect world, that that might happen. It's actually, I don't see that happening. There's a lot of JavaScript authors out there, and there's a lot of NPM publishers, and a lot of them don't do TypeScript themselves. So unless every single author is using TypeScript, it's going to be hard to convince authors that they need this DTS file in their repo. And I've actually seen this a few times where people have made pull requests to include it and then the author's like, is this right? And they have to basically defer to the person that wrote it. Like they can't use their own judgment because they haven't learned TypeScript yet, either because they don't have the time or whatever other reason. Yeah, um, and also it would be very difficult as they made changes in their source to understand when they have to make a corresponding change in this DTS file that's in the repository. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it would be a really big burden, especially if they don't have some you know continuous build that helps them verify that that, that, that precondition is always there. Yeah, I, mean, I think it would be really nice it's, there's, a, there's just a governance problem when the, the typings have to be contributed by a third party, and then you have development work proceeding on the on the library, and then the contributors are just kind of catching up. Every time there's a release, there's going to be some delay before the typings represent the new version, and, and that kind of stuff is visible to users right now. And so I had this problem when working with TypeScript and Angular 2. Uh, whenever you, have, you make the mistake of bundling your typings in your library and you import it, you have a lot of duplicators in your in the computer. I saw uh, an issue, or maybe a design uh, about uh, package scopes 
that should help uh, with this issue. Do you know what the status of, of this uh, right now? Yes, uh, so all of the duplicate identifier errors you're getting are my fault, and I'm very sorry. Um, I had a meeting with Blake uh, last week, and we, we looked through, um, he helped me figure out what we should do. I don't think we need to wait for the package, uh, the package scoping. Um, let me briefly explain what that means. So there's an important thing about the TypeScript compiler in that anytime you provide a, a type shape, that thing is global. Um, so hopefully, you've, if you're using something like ES6 modules, then there's no collision in that namespace. Everything is namespace within the ES6 module using something like NPM as the namespacing. Um, but if you, just, if you just hand it, oh, like here's the type shape of node, then anywhere else that it encounters a file and it needs to compile it, it will see that, that type shape of node, the node.d.ts file, and it can conflict with something else. Um, so this proposal from Wes on the Microsoft team was, okay, so if we're resolving a reference from a file in a certain package, maybe we should only see the typings that, are that that package has depended on rather than typings that other uh, you know, sibling or parent packages depended on. Um, and if you did that, then it would make it possible not only to deal with this duplicate identifier problem, but also the, the diamond dependency problem. So two different packages you install depend on different versions of Node, and they should each be able to type check only against the version that they declare a dependency on. Um, and that would allow you to have a lot more correctness. Last time I talked to the Microsoft team, about this, uh, it's still on their list, but they are not actively—they're um, not actively finalizing that proposal, and, and they don't have a plan yet for how that will land on master. Yeah, we ran into that issue um, with Angular Universal that the duplicate typings because we bring in Node and have a lot of server-side. Yeah, so specifically for Angular two. Um, in or before Angular Connect, we really wanted the, this first-time user experience to be super polished. We didn't want anybody to have to run TSD. As Blake has pointed out, there's some problems with the TSD tool, and we were worried that some, some users would, like, you know, their stuff wouldn't type check on their first try. Um, so to make it really foolproof, we bundled those typings with the distribution, and, um, you know, knowing at the time, and you can see the comments in the code, that uh, as you did something more, more complicated, and Angular Universal is a great example where you have some other reason to be using Node outside of the way that Angular 2 ex expected, then you're going to have another path to that same dependency and have that problem. So I actually wrote up a doc, and um, I guess I'll put it in the public design docs folder today uh, with a short list of stuff that we should change in Angular 2 so that we don't export those dependencies. Uh, and I plan to work on that uh, you know, soon. I think we promised it as part of beta 1 or beta 2. One of the issues in the Angular repo um, is the tracking issue for that. So let's talk some more about Angular 2 now that we uh, jumped on, on this subject. so. <clears throat> Angular 2 started off that it was going to be written in at script. And then at some point, they made the decision to move to TypeScript. Uh, Alex, can you tell us a little bit of what went into that, the reasoning why um, to join on with the TypeScript bandwagon instead of going on and building your own language? Sure. I, I, you can probably hear a, a, a more accurate or longer version of this story in a couple of other forums. but. Um, Basically, the, uh, the decorator syntax was especially important to the team in thinking about the, the ergonomics of the library. And um, that came out of the work on Angular Dart uh, 1.0, which was kind of like a transition between Angular 1 and 2. And Dart already had a, a, a feature called annotations. Um, annotations is a way to just take a, like a, you know, a JSON block, just an object, and attach it onto a class definition. Uh, and decorators is more expressive. It allows you to do all kinds of metaprogramming on the class. Um, but uh, basically, since the... TypeScript team was really interested in having Angular 2 users be TypeScript users. 
um, and it's been a really great relationship between us. Uh, they they got to work on implementing um, decorators so that the you know this main feature that we introduced in AtScript would be available in a better supported tool. I don't I don't really know how successful our team could have been trying to create a language and a, and you know keep the tracer compiler up to date with whatever patches we needed to make this new syntax work. Obviously, it's fantastic for the community that that the TypeScript team jumped in and and made the made this particular you know ergonomics for the Angular library work in the TypeScript language, and we were totally happy to stop hacking on AtScript once that happened. So since then, how has the use of TypeScript evolved within the team for Angular two? Has it uh, you know is it mostly something that just from day one, you you guys had a good idea of how you were going to use it, or you've kind of figured out new and different ways as you've kind of started to get more and more into the project? Um, I think for the most part, uh, people on the team understood what the language features were that we wanted to use and have used them from the beginning. Obviously, it took us some time to migrate the code base to be compilable with TypeScript. And in fact, we're still... Um, tightening the cranks and and you know requiring types in more places and becoming and making our code more idiomatic TypeScript, which is hard because obviously the library is under very active development. Um, the place where we've gotten more and more sophisticated over time is in the build tooling, and I hope that uh, I hope that soon uh, everybody will be able to use this stuff with the Angular CLI project. Um, but basically, we took the Broccoli builder, which came from Ember community, and it represents, instead of something like Gulp, which is just a task runner, you say run A and then run B and then run C, and you figure out for yourself what the relationships are. Broccoli is more like a, it takes a, it takes an input tree and transforms it through a set of transformations, which you declare, and produces the output tree. And so we built some diffing capabilities on top of that so that when you change a file inside of Angular, all we have to do is take that particular file and re-emit it to the output directory. And uh, I guess the other thing that's changed over time is that we're just moving TypeScript into more of the satellite projects. So like zone.js, for example, I think Mishko's been working to uh, to republish that as a TypeScript library. So is zone.js going to be rating to zone.ts? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. That would be pretty confusing. Obviously, you know, the, the library is still usable by JavaScript programmers. It's just that it will come along with typings. And it means that the Angular 2 dependency on Zone will be a TypeScript to TypeScript dependency, which is easier to model and more correct than a TypeScript to JS dependency, where we have some issues, like Blake mentioned, with ambient typings that are that, that are global. Just actually one quick related question, not necessarily TypeScript per se, but uh, with the different modules in Angular 2, um, I know eventually they were planning on publishing them separately. Like so, having Zone, you know, published un- under NPM as its own thing, and the DI system as its own mm-hmm. library. Is that something that is on the plans for before uh, the full release to kind of separate out the different modules? So Zone is already published separately and is in a separate repo. But there are things like ng upgrade as part of the main repo, BenchPress, which is our performance measuring tool, um, the router which you know, conceivably could be separated out. The main reason that those are all still together is that we need to continuously integrate them. So we want a change in one of the libraries to break the test in something that uses it um, before we check it in. Whereas if they were all separate node modules, the best we can do today is, oh, the next time we do a release of this part of our code, we discover that we broke another part of our code. And we're using Travis as our primary continuous build, although we've started to experiment with CircleCI also. But we don't have a model in any of those where we could have multiple GitHub repositories and track changes in them and rebuild along the dependency graph between our various modules if they're in separate GitHub repos. And I don't know, maybe somebody out there has solved that problem. And would be, maybe they could uh, help us out. You should use npm link to do that. 
so yeah, we use npm link um, internally when we have when we do development across the repos. I don't know if that would help in the continuous build case. No, I don't think you so. Would, I mean, somehow you would need to tell Travis to also go check out this other repo and clone that to a different directory and then figure out what directory that is and call the npm link command to stitch them together and then you could run the tests. There's probably some hackery we could do in shell scripts to make it work. Um, I don't know if like the, the reporting UI would make it very clear where errors came from if there's multiple repos involved and it only shows you the commit hash from the primary one. I mean, one thing, not saying that you guys should do this, but one thing that I've seen for something like this is to have everything in one repo, GitHub repo, but then in the module folder, each would have their own package JSON, and, and like you would each publish um, them separately. You know, like treat them as their own unit for the for the kind of publishing perspective. But right, for, yeah, I think we are headed that way, and I, I believe we do have different package JSON. Uh, I know at least like the Angular two module underneath the Angular repo has its own package JSON file. Um, so I'm not sure what the plans are for publishing some of those modules separately, like publishing the router as its own npm module. Okay, so um, to get back to um, TypeScript, <laughs> um, in when you work with uh, Microsoft, um, who decides what features can be integrated? For example, when you ask for annotations, um, or maybe they offer to an annotation, but if if you have a need for specific uh, TypeScript integration. Um, can Microsoft say no, I guess? And if they say yes, who will do the work? Will you do a pull request? Or, yeah, how, how do you deal with uh, Microsoft in, in TypeScript? So, uh, so far, it's been fan- we've been really lucky. With the- we've only asked them for a couple of things um, after the decorators were in. Um, so, for example, right now uh, in TypeScript 1.8, we're hoping that they will land uh, the ability to have multiple uh, root directories in your projects. So this is kind of a change to their module resolution logic. Um, and we need that mostly for uh, for our internal build system, actually, where we have multiple root directories on different uh, different file systems. Um, but they've, they've just been fantastic to work with, and they've, they've picked up those couple of things that we needed and run ahead with them. I think the bigger question is the standardization process. So TypeScript wants to be, you know, ahead of the standards, but... Um, they want to stay on the standards track. So uh, pretty soon the decorators proposal should be starting to go through TC39. And um, the bigger question is, uh, you know, for example, getting decorators on method parameters, um, making that be part of the spec and making it part of each implementation. Um, There's a lot of detail work there where the TypeScript team has helped us out a lot, but it's not under their control either. I did also want to, just talking about the different projects you guys are involved in, I did also want to touch on uh, Blake's TS node project. Um, so Blake, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with uh, TS node and, and why someone would uh, use that library? Sure. So I actually developed TS node after I tried a couple of other solutions. Um, it's basically a way to transpile TypeScript in memory with node. So you can you can basically just, instead of having to use TSC, get JavaScript, run JavaScript, you can just run TS node on files, and it just replicates the whole node environment, but with TypeScript. So there's actually a REPL as well. That was a bit harder than actually just getting the basic transpilation working, but it's nice to be able to write everything just in TypeScript and run it. Um, the reason why you might use this, um, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't use it in production myself. I know some people have. Um, but the biggest use case for me was actually test suites. Um, so I have 
inline test suites that are within my code. Um, I need to glob things, whatever else. Um, but then I also um, I did like Istanbul integration, so you could actually just have um, TS node run, have code coverage with Istanbul, and then get everything output. Um, and we actually got that working with Istanbul, the alpha of 1.0, um, which was really cool. So we managed to get source maps working, and you just literally see the code coverage on TypeScript, which is great. A um, little bit harder without something like TS node. And then the, the ability there is also when you're testing, um, it can be a pain to copy all the fixture directories and replicate the entire structure. So you're requiring everything um, that, that you require in your tests. So it just avoids that having to, having to replicate everything um, just to run tests. Uh, the um, coverage with uh, Istanbul is really something that I struggled with. Um, I'm really glad to know that there is a solution coming. You should guess a link to that. Should I mean, I guess the alternative to using something like TS Node is that you have like a compile step in your unit tests, right? Yeah, but it doesn't link with the source files for Istanbul. It doesn't really work. Uh, yeah, okay. Yep. Right. That makes right, sense. so yeah. Um, yeah, Istanbul 1.0 will, will understand source files. So you could still just output JavaScript with source files, and it will work, um, which is pretty cool. But we managed to get it also working in process. With any, th any transpiler as well, you could technically use CoffeeScript or Babel, um, and the source maps will work too. That's pretty cool. awesome. So we are getting near the end of our time, and I want to get to a couple of Twitter questions that people posted. So uh, Blake, was there for, for your libraries or the stuff you're working on, is there anything in particular you wanted to mention before we move to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so typings is, well, first of all, typings has been stable for a couple of months now. Um, the last month has development has slowed down. Um, the extra features are things that we need to help people um, publish, especially documentation and stuff like that. So the next few weeks are going to be basically officially releasing typings, making it a standard thing, trying to work with the TypeScript team to do some sort of integration, make it easier for users. Um, lots of lots of publicity type stuff. So. The announcement, I guess, would be that Typings is, is a stable tool. You should definitely be using it. And I'm going to be deprecating um, TSD in its current form. So we're going to be posting a notice on TSD that if you're using TSD currently, maintenance won't be, um, additional development won't be continued. Maintenance will be. I'll keep on maintenance if anyone does pull requests and stuff. But unless another maintainer is going to jump into TSD, it's effectively end of life right now. Oh, wow, that's huge. So it's github slash, github.com slash typings slash typings, right? Yep. Awesome. So basically for anyone who's doing TypeScript or thinking about TypeScript, for any of the typings of stuff outside of libraries that are actually publishing the type definitions, you're definitely going to want to go to Blake's uh, repo and uh, check that out. So awesome, Blake. I'm uh, glad to hear that. We're getting near the end of the time, so let's jump to the Twitter questions, and we'll have a, a little bit of time at the end for um, any last thing that uh, you guys may have. So we have four questions that people had posted. Uh, first, from uh, Vele Vano, um, what do you see as the preferred module bundling approach in the future? Webpack, Browserify, Systemjs, 
or something else. I, I also uh, heard that um, in the future TypeScript version, they might have more bundling features as well, so maybe something that you wouldn't even use any of those. So what do you guys think about that? I, I know, uh, Blake, you probably have more opinions on this than I have. Yeah, you can start there. Okay. Well, so on, on the Angular team, we've been switching around. We were using System.js for a while, but it's not very stable yet because it's trying to chase the specification that's evolving a lot. Um, so I know a few people on the team are playing with Webpack. We don't have a official recommendation for Angular 2 users yet. Um, I think there will be something as part of Angular CLI so that people don't have to figure this out on their own. Um, the only important topic uh, in my mind is that you should do bundling one time at the end. So it's um, it's kind of, it's 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 tempting to bundle things in, in the middle, um, like for for individual libraries to publish bundles, but if you if you have the ability, you should just get all the individual JS files from libraries and bundle at once. Yeah, absolutely. Adding to that, yeah, so I, I think any solution will work. Um, I don't think that there's one obvious end at the moment. Um, Webpack is super popular, especially because they're hot code reloading. Um, I still use Browserify in a lot of projects where I just have to bundle something. I don't really need the, the hot code reloading. Um, I haven't used System myself, but that's another one. I believe there's a couple others. Um, I've recently heard of Rollup, I think, and I think there's like even other ones. Um, but as long as as long as it takes JavaScript files um, and outputs one one folder or one um, one file or even multiple files in the case of Webpack because it can do optimizations, then you should go for the one that is most practical for whatever you need. If what you need is code splitting and the advanced features in Webpack, then it's probably probably what you need. If what you need is just one file, Browserify is pretty simple. Um, but I would just use one. I don't think there's any clear future. Oh, and Briefly to the other point, it is uh, if you look at TypeScript's 1.8, um, uh, what's new in TypeScript page, uh, they do have the, the new bundling included in, in 1.8. So uh, you can install TypeScript at next or wait for the general availability release and try it out. Okay. And uh, I guess this one of the things posted on Twitter isn't really a question as much as uh, someone putting a bunch of emoticons that they uh, TypeScript is three things with the down thumb for... Uh, as a bundler, TypeScript isn't as good as Rollup, and as a transpiler, it's not as good as Babel, but as a typer, that's where it's unique. So I, th I think the thing's trying to point out is uh, something we've talked about here of uh, maybe in the future, uh, if TypeScript's able to better integrate to these tools that are more focused on transpiling or bundling. But it, I think it does help to have TypeScript have something of those features for people that just want to use one tool um, and make it simple. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you can mix and match. I mean, the TypeScript team has made some bug fixes uh, recently so that you can target ES6 and still do all of the all the other stuff you want to do and then roll it through one of those other tools in a different bundler. So you can definitely mix and match. Okay, cool. From Little Chaos Monster, uh, he asked, what's the best approach to convert JSON to TypeScript objects? <laughs> I think he's talking about here that you already have an existing object that you're using and you just want to like generate the type definition for it. Is there a way to do that? Um, I don't know if Alex has come across something, but as a raw object, I have not seen anything. I've seen a couple of projects that do JSON schemas to, to the TypeScript type system. Um, it doesn't always, it's not always perfect if you have a really complex schema, but I haven't seen anything that just types an object other than you typing it yourself. Um, I'm assuming this is used in an API context, so you're getting back an object 
um, and then you don't actually have you don't you're not actually writing that object. You're receiving it somehow. Um, yeah, in that case, yeah, either from a schema or type yourself. Well, for the schema, what are what are some examples of libraries that do that from schema to type definition? I'm gonna have to find that up for you. I don't know the name of them off the top of my head. Uh, I would point out this is one place where um, TypeScript is nice and gradual. So, for example, you could start off typing these things using um, an index signature, which is TypeScript's way of saying like uh, an object which has properties of type key and values of type. You can put any there if you want, um, and then over time you can um, you can more precisely type this thing. So if you know what to expect, then you can put types there. But of course, there's no runtime type assertion. So if this is an object you're receiving over the wire, then uh, you know types doesn't give you any extra safety there. All the types are erased at runtime. Okay. And the final uh, Twitter question we have from Anans uh, Ferdosi is: As a developer, I want to use a JavaScript library in Angular 2 with components written in TypeScript. Uh, what are the steps to use it? I, I think he's saying that if he wants to use uh, someone else's components, um, use, wants to use a component authored in TypeScript, is it just a matter of importing that and using it with the um, because the type definitions are there, or how, how does he actually use somebody else's TypeScript library? Uh, that's a great question. Um, one thing that comes to mind is that we're currently working on the Angular uh, material design components for Angular 2, which are written in TypeScript and are reusable components that uh, people will share. So that's just started work, but it's at github slash angular slash material 2. Yeah, it should be the case that any TypeScript to TypeScript dependency carries the typings along and is not uh, doesn't have as many failure modes. So yeah, I would expect that if you're using a component that someone has published as a TypeScript package, that you should have conveniences in your editor like auto-completion and, 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 and checking. I think there's, there's some missing pieces there in terms of uh, Angular 2's API uses, you know, uh, inside of the decorator, you can, you can do things like uh, you can request providers of, of the component that you need. So the dependency injector will find them. And then on fields in a class, you can put add input and add output. Um, and I don't... I don't think that, um, I guess if it depends on how the things are typed, but if they're typed as strings in the other library, then you wouldn't get as many, uh, you wouldn't get as much help there. But it's an interesting question. It's, I, I'm not sure how all those things would work, but it should be, we should definitely fix them up. It seems like something that's, uh, so everything's so new, right? So uh, Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen an out. example. I haven't seen an example of, of a component published in, in TypeScript, but it's, I'm sure other people on the team have. All right, let's get to our picks. Um, we'll start off with, Patrick, JS. Cool. So my picks, well, uh, my tip is to provide feedback in open source projects, especially for, for smaller ones. Uh, any like problems you run into, definitely like, open an issue. Uh, for larger ones, definitely like go on Slack or, or Gitter or something and ask the, the issues there. Um, so that's my tip. My, my picks are, are two of them. Uh, one is the typings repo. Uh, with Blake, uh, or actually, no, no, one's the... The typings walkthrough with Blake Ambry tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning on Read the Source. And uh, my other tip is Learn TypeScript, a free workshop by Blake Ambry. Um, and the link will be in the show notes for sure. Cool. All right. Okay. I just have uh, two picks this week. I've been really kind of focused a lot on sleep and how that integrates with the rest of my work, uh, both my life schedule and my work schedule. Um, and two... Uh, Actually, three uh, picks that I have for that are uh, the Bear Sewer, which we'll put the link in the show notes. is a uh, It's an alarm clock that brews coffee. <laughs> the uh, that one I don't have, but I've been recommended it. 
the other two are by Withings. There's the Aura, which is awesome. That's in the um, show notes. That it's it's a basically a light that wake you wake up to um, light that mimics the sunrise. And also um, the Withings. I actually don't know how to say the name of the the watch. It is also awesome. It's a if you're into quantified self, um, the Withings uh, uh, activate. Activitate uh, watch is also really good. Uh, so about the the lamp with uh, sunlight, how do you make it work if you if you have a wife that doesn't wake up at the same time? Uh, I don't, so I can't I can't answer that for you. Okay, <laughs> no, because that's something uh, I, I really wanted to buy, but I can't because of that. Uh, if there is a solution. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think it's a negotiation. <laughs> or, or get her a sleep mask. You get a VR headset. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, the real sun also has the same problem. <laughs> wake, wake up everybody. Yeah, yes. feature, feature in a bug, right? <laughs> yeah. Olivier, why don't you give your picks? Yeah, so um, I have one tip. Uh, Phantom GS 2.1 was released uh, last Saturday. Um, it's the first release since last year about the same time, so uh, it's time to upgrade all your tests and stuff like that that use Phantom GS. And I have a link uh, that is a nice follow-up from last week's episode. Uh, it's Managing State in Angular 2 Application by Victor Safkin, and it's a way to kind of do what you can do with Flux, but just with RxJS. Um, well, maybe not everything, but it's a way to manage your state uh, and immutability and stuff like that in Angular too. Yeah, I definitely recommend that article as well. That was great. So before I get to my picks, uh, just again for the upcoming shows, rem- reminder that next week, February second, Pascal Precht is going to be on to talk about learning and teaching Angular. And then February 9th, we're doing the Internet of Things with Zach Dunn and Atticus White. Uh, and then February 18th. Uh, we're going to do live from NGNL. We're going to have a number of different panel members that are going to be there. I think uh, Olivier and uh, Patrick are both going to be there. So that's yes. going to be a lot of fun. Gavin. Okay, uh, Blake, why don't you give your picks and, and then I'll do mine. Sorry, I'm getting kicked out of We're going over the hour. Um, so, uh, so tips. If you're having issues, um, definitely create an issue on GitHub. Um, make sure it's actionable there. Um, the biggest thing that I run into is issues that don't explain the issue. It's it's terrible. So the other thing is definitely learn TypeScript and or any other type language. The cool thing about TypeScript is you've got the runtime and the type system separated. Um, and think about where else you could use the type system. What if what if type systems were basically schemas? Um, schemas are pretty common, but you could use type systems the same way. Um, my picks is I've definitely been getting back into reading every day, so if, I would recommend reading every day before you go to sleep. Um, maybe you can add that to your improvements on sleeping, Ari. <laughs> okay. Do you have any, uh, what are you reading right now? The book I'm reading right now is called The Strain. Oh, yeah. Uh, they made a TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I've heard this good. Not really good for sleep, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a book, it's okay. It <laughs> should be okay. Cool. Anything else, Blake? That's it from me. Sorry. Okay. Uh, for my picks, 
this is Ep Angular Air episode 50. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. So, uh, yeah, hey, on that. Although, technically, we've done more than 50 episodes. Some of them we don't number uh, sequentially. But even so, episode 50, yay. Uh, also, I wanted to, Patrick mentioned, read the source, which Blake is going to be on, and that is awesome. I'm definitely going to tune in because uh, Patrick and I were on read the source last week and had a great time. If you want to know uh, the, at a low level what Ang uh, Angular Universal is all about, definitely watch that video. We, we go in detail into the code, and Patrick does a great job with a walkthrough, and I sort of add some commentary along the way, so definitely check that out. And then my last pick is going to be um, Nathan Walker, who was on Angular Air uh, like 10 episodes ago. I forgot the exact number. But we talked about when he was on potentially making a change to the Angular CLI to support third-party libraries automatically. And he, after that, right after that show, started working on that. And he is just finally got his pull request accepted to make a pretty big change for Angular CLI. So... Um, that's pretty awesome that that all started from talking about it on this show, and he kind of went off from there after a couple months. So I'll include a link uh, to that as well. Uh, Alex, why don't you give us your picks? Uh, so my tip is, um, I just pasted it in the show notes, is uh, the specification for TypeScript. So it might seem kind of dorky, but it's actually a really great source of information for exactly why something isn't working or exactly what's supposed to happen. Uh, and in particular, you can read the Markdown version of it that they have uh, on GitHub that's um, at head. So if you're using the TypeScript at next version or if you're generally you know, hacking with TypeScript and tend to be using new language features, um, it's really useful to be able to see the, like, the up-to-date specification um, and, and you know, how it's changed. Um, I'll also put a link there to the issue in the Angular repo about the typings thing that I plan to fix soon. And my pick is kind of boring, but I, I don't know if people realize how great Sonos is. Um, so I've been using this for quite a while, and I got more Sonos speakers in my house, and like if you go to the store and you see like various ways of making your device play stuff over Bluetooth, you're like, oh, I could pick any one of these. I could just grab a Bluetooth speaker. Um, but it's really fantastic how you can have multiple devices in your, in your house and on your laptop, and then you can just pick which room should change the music, and you can have one person in the house that started the music, and then you pull out your phone and pause it. Um, you don't have any of these issues where it's like tied to the device that started it. And they also have like a really great way of taking all of your internet radio and bringing it through the Sonos UI so you can view it there. So buy some of those. Cool. All right, guys. Th thanks a lot for coming on, Alex and Blake. It's just been a great show. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, we'll definitely do this again soon. But I look forward to seeing you guys at NGConf. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Have a great uh, day, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.